0: Welcome to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. Today, oh, for, whose phone is this? Chris?
1: Sorry. <laughs> How do I turn it off? Just unplug it. It.
0: unplug.
2: <laughs> I it. it. I gotta go unplug everybody's phone, though.
0: That's true. Oh, uh, and then as, if you're
2: gonna plug them back in, it's gonna be so loud.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Just unplug yours, even if... And then just maybe turn down the other ones, Oh, or, or don't worry about it.
2: I can't unplug it because my
1: computer's running through it.
0: What do you mean your computer's running through it? What are you talking about?
1: So my computer, in right, well, the Ethernet, is is comes through the phone.
0: Oh, okay. Well, don't I'll worry. Just turn it down. Don't worry about it. turn it down. And, and I can't imagine that it's going to ring that much, right? <laughs> you know, what, if it does, we'll like
2: we'll just make it part of. Be like, oh, it sounds like we're getting a call from one of our listeners. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah we're getting a call in anyway okay Okay. uh take two welcome to vertical playpen the podcast all about adventure and experiential education i'm your host phil and today i'm joined by chris danboys and lisa hunt and we're going to be talking about certification So it's just a a conversation about the process, but also maybe preparation and also the the thoughts that we have as people have come in to do certifications, the things that we often have to remind people of. But what are people's initial thoughts when I say certification?
1: At least just put her finger on her nose. So I guess I'm going. (laughs) Nose goes. Nose goes. Well, you know, this is partly our personal philosophy, but I also think it resonates with the team here at high five that certification is just one tool in the process of someone's education around becoming a, you know, a qualified practitioner in the field and certification isn't necessarily um, the end all and be all Um, you know, there's that famous joke about everybody who graduates from uh, law school gets a degree But some of those people got C's and some of those people got A's. And so the fact that you can have different levels of education and still be certified, a classic example is our license, our driver's license, right? Everybody has to do that in order they have to be certified to drive. Well, even this morning when I was out driving on the road to get to work, I witnessed the variability of different people's skill within that. So. I think certification is just one tool, but it primarily we focus on education here. And what do people need to know to be qualified practitioners? I don't know. Lisa, do you have thoughts about that?
2: No, I'm glad you went first, Chris. I, you know, I think your experience in the field, you've, you know, you've greatly informed what the certification process looks like, at least in the places that I've worked. And I, I, I agree, I think, you know, certification is a result of education and as hopefully we'll talk about illumination I've certainly been through certification experiences that I felt really proud of and that I also felt were kind of a joke and I think we can all relate to that spectrum right like when I got my EMT license from solo in in North Conway after living there for a month I was really proud that was a very difficult exam I've also got my first aid certification online and that was like you know, it's just like it had to be done, but it didn't have any meaning to me. So I think there's also like, what's the amount of rigor that it requires? And, you know, the certification that we offer through our relationship with the ACCT is is one I, I feel proud of. And I think that the amount of time that certification has been available to challenge course practitioners, it's been what, 20 years or so. I feel like, as a facilitator, and as a person who gives the exam, it's kind of in a good place. You know, it went from as anything that's new, like who needs this? What's this for? And, you know, to, I think people, it seems like our customers understand, I haven't had a lot of folks who are like, I need certification, but can't really say why they need it. Like, I feel like people are in a good place of understanding the rationale. And I suspect that that's true industry wide. I'm not sure. What do you think, Phil?
0: the certification is only as good as the certification actually tests skill sets i think that what you were suggesting was was uh, was true about both the 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 driver's license chris because i i think i see this even slightly different than other people in this born in this country because in england the driving exam is is particularly challenging and the and the success rate is pretty low um and it's not a, assumed that you'll take it and you'll pass whereas the experience I had at, uh, doing my driving exam in this country was almost farcical. It was like, I got in a car and I drove around a parking lot and the guy said I was good to go. And I was like, I hadn't didn't interact with any other vehicles. Oh no, yeah, you seemed fine. So it was like, oh, okay. And I think it was that same mindset of like, what was the point of that? I think there is also that concern with certifications that people do it to check our box off rather than actually is it Assessing someone's skill sets. Are you doing it because you're mandated to do so? I find that the the analogy between a first aid CPR certification has that has that parallel because we do it because we know we have to, and then what we do to get it, it's it's sometimes feels exactly minimal, and it's just so that we can say we are certified in first aid CPR. And I prefer it to be the case that you have to work for i also i didn't do an emt but i did a a woofer a wilderness first responder and had that exact same experience it was so challenging it was a very very challenging exam the the written component was challenging and the practical component was extremely nerve-wracking but that was the point right you you're going Mm -hmm. to be doing skills in a situation where it's going to be a very emotional so you need to be they need to represent that in what in some way that makes sense So whenever I'm leading a certification, my intention is not to pass everyone and it's not to fail people. I don't have that mindset either. But I think it's because I I hold it to a point of this is an assessment of skill. There is the the training part, which is important. But if you want to be certified, it shouldn't be as simple as a turning up. It shouldn't be as simple as coming and uh, I've been here for eight hours. Surely I get it. And I think that's a good conversation i think that will lead into education and illumination is that the difference between what you get from your trainings and then what you also get from a certification and i think there's confusion uh, because at the end of a training you're awarded a certificate and I think that the word certificate and the word certification gets blended so confusingly sometimes that the people could leave a training and assume that they've now been assessed of their skill. Whereas reality is that they could come to the, a four-day training with us, they could ignore every single word I say and be drifting in the background in their own world. And I would still award them a certificate of training because they'd attended a training, but I've at no point really assessed their skill. So I think that there's that, that uh, difference Two, Chris, you're always uh, you're the one who first introduced me to the education illumination certification mindset. Uh, if you want to go into detail with that,
1: yeah, no, I think that's a a good segue. I think the part that is most important, I think, is really people's education, and I almost want to put a fourth word in there now. As I was thinking about it last night, is actually it's education, then it's preparation. Then it's illumination, which is really the exam component, and then it's certification. Mm-hmm. And so the education component is all of those things that we do, whether that's taking a foundational forty-hour workshop at High Five, that would be the Adventure Basics, you know, or you're prepping for your level two exam, and you come back and you take thirty-two hour, four-day uh, Beyond Basics, and in the process of taking those courses, hopefully you also have time on your course working with real live participants, because really the education component also has an experience component there. You can actually look at the standards and and, and on our website, there's a certification page that you can click on and actually see the requirements. It, it, it talks about the amount of hours you need to have for training and the amount of experience hours working on a challenge course. So that education piece is really crucial. The the next phase is really preparation. And this is where I think we might get into this more uh, later in the discussion. But I think for many people, their lack of preparation for the exam is what sort of sets them up for lack of a better word failure, that they might have the time on task they might have the education under their belt, but they didn't really prepare both physically, mentally, and, you know, sort of intellectually to take the exam. The illumination phase is a fascinating phase. You know, we have people who come in and sign up, you know, typical ratio is three uh, people being tested and one examiner. And what it's really feels like I think for many people is that this big spotlight is shined on you, you know, so there's a person standing there, Phil, imagine Phil Brown standing below you, he's got a clipboard, he's perhaps got his binoculars out if he's my age, and he's trying to see what you're doing in the air as you, you know, work on the course. And that can feel like a lot of pressure. And in some ways, that's okay, because it does simulate the sort of real world aspect of the work we're asked to do. But in that process, that light, that bright light that is shining on you will show those areas where you're really solid in your skills and it will block that light. And then other areas where you'll have holes in your experience or your skill set and the light will shine directly through and we'll notice that. And you'll notice that also. You'll feel that while you're doing your thing. And... That's okay. Having illumination is like one of those things. It's like, what don't you know about what you don't know? It's just that opportunity to shine that bright light. Hopefully you don't have enough, so many holes in your experience or your education that you actually fail. Hopefully it leads to further learning in that moment and ultimately certification. You pass the exam.
0: Awesome. At least anything to add with that?
2: Like you, Phil, I've learned a lot from Chris about mm-hmm. the examination process, having taken my first internal level two for, with him as one of my examiners years ago. For us as people who give the exam, mm-hmm. what what does it not cover that we just notice whether that we want it to cover or we can't do anything about it? It's just interesting. Like what are the limitations of certification? Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if that's co-opting the hosts.
0: No, I think there's two. I think there's two other topics to discuss. One is why might someone want the cert, and then the other is what actually does the certification look like. And I think that that the actual process look like beyond education illumination. What is the actual illumination gonna gonna feel like and look like? And then that can lead into us talking about things that we see or miss or think there what gaps there are. Let's take that first uh, topic of why might somebody want a certification?
2: It can come from all over the place. So one person might show up for an exam saying, I just, I want to know where I'm at with my skills. It's a personal decision. And if they have the prerequisites, we don't discourage that. It's sort of self-assessment. Another reason is that a person is looking for a job and they want to show on their resume that I am qualified to do certain things, whether it's a, you know, there are specific elements that folks are qualified to run. So there's the sort of the resume piece and then some employers would require it, whether it's for their own standards. Sometimes it's related to an insurance piece. I can't really speak to that with a lot of expertise, but those are sort of the three buckets that I think about like personal assessment, job seekers, and then job requirements. I've had plenty of people not plenty. I've had, I, I can think of certain faces and names that I've seen come back for exams every few years, multiple times. And it's just part of their professional practice. It's part of their identity. Like this is what I do. I'm mm-hmm. um, not because their job requires it. It's just part of their routine. And I support that too. And then there's, you know, the folks who are coming for certification because they think they have to, but then we can kind of untangle that. Like this this is not necessary. It's not required. And at High Five for our listeners who may not be aware, and other vendors do this too. We don't incorporate the certification process into our workshops. It, there's a separation between a workshop experience and a certification experience. It's a separate enrollment. Sometimes they're consecutive, but they're not. It's not a package, and that's intentional.
1: I think you know it's a it's a it can be an appropriate tool if managed well by employers also. So it can, it can be a way to set a benchmark for hiring. Um, it can set a benchmark for internal sort of sign-off that they're able to do X, Y, and Z on their particular course. It probably gives a, a, a supervising manager some level of comfort knowing people have X skills and they've been verified. Um, I, I think what it doesn't do is allow a supervising you know, employer to not have to do their internal work. So what we certify on that given day in that eight hour period at the high five course may look nothing like what the day-to-day tasks and responsibilities are at your course in terms of what you're asking your employees to do. So you still have to do your internal um, training your local operating procedure work and your internal verification that they know all those other things, whatever that might be in terms of program design for yourself. So um, it's just another tool for, yeah. for a hiring manager.
0: Awesome. So the now onto the the process or what the certification looks like in a day, it, it really is different between our different certifications, level one, level two, level, well, not level three CCM. Um, but I think the the generic pieces there is a practical component that normally lasts half of the day and then the written component that lasts half of the day and the practical assessment is us asking you to do tasks like belay or tie knots or in the level two perform a rescue or a gear retrieval and then we're assessing those skills Um, and then the written exam is short answers uh, multiple choice section or multiple answer sections uh, true or false sections and then essay sections. Anything else to add into like the the day process?
1: I think most of us tend, you know, barring any weather or inclement, you know, issues tend to try to get the practical exam, the physical part of that out of the way in the morning and then get the written exam in the afternoon. Sometimes there's requests from the group taking the exam. They're so anxious about the written exam. They just rather get that out of the way in the morning. So there's a bit of flexibility there. Um, but we have noticed that like fatigue sets in later in the day and having people who we don't necessarily know directly um, taking an exam late in the afternoon up high in a tree is not the best risk management strategy necessarily, but we, we work with that and, and use our own assessment skills to make best decisions for the group at that time. Um, I think the other thing is that pe- people may not always know is that we're going to ask you to use the equipment on our course. So uh, people will come in with their own harness and lanyards and rescue kit and things like that. And the reality is, you know, particularly at a level two skill set, we want to see that you are a broad base practitioner, that you have a lot of, you know, a broad base and that you can use any tools that you could go and pull some prussics, pull some pulleys, pull some carabiners, pull a rope. And in essence, create a rescue kit on your own that it's not pre-packaged, and um, that you have the skill to do that. So I think that's the other thing is to recognize that um, this exam isn't SOP cut. We talk about in the world of standards, there's like. ACCT standards, then there's vendor standards, which are often standard operating procedures, then there's local operating procedures, which are often program-based. And we're testing at the SOP high five level. ACCT endorses us to give an exam that meets the ACCT standards, but reflects the needs of our clients who are using our element, our components, you know, our program design pieces. So,
2: and it's a balance, isn't it? I think we've all experienced that, especially for someone who's taken the exam for the first time. There can be a lot of questions like, well, should I do this the way I do on my course or the way I learned here? And and again, we, we, we want folks to demonstrate the skills as they have them without them having to sort of conform to a certain culture. or I mean, there's lots of different ways to frame something. There's lots of different ways to accomplish a gear retrieval. So we're not assessing, are they doing it exactly the way it is in a textbook or the way that they learned it from Phil, for example, it's like, can they get the job done in a reasonable and efficient way, but it doesn't like, we're not going to say it has to look like this or it has to look like this. And certainly there are exceptions like you're not has to look right. But, you know, we get a lot of like, well, can I use a pulley on my gear retrieval? It's like, well, if that's the way you would do it at home great, do it that way. So I think that can be a little bit of a tricky line for folks who are new to the exam process.
0: And I think that's important to know when people come into the exam that we're not going to be able to, in the moment, educate. We're there to illuminate the things that and and so they can ask questions but there's a lot of cases where it's I can't give you the answer right now (laughs) after this I'll totally do that and that's a component as well that after the exam we will talk you through the stuff and and try to give you tips and improve if you're a a number three on a skill set I'll try to get you up to a number four and so there'll be discussion around that it almost goes back to education again which it will do anyway when you illuminate and you fit that circle goes all the way back up to the education component and then give more information hey friends phil here so just want to remind you that the discount code for our book tinker is still available you go all the way to checkout and then use the discount code vpp or uppercase vpp and you'll get 25 percent off your order it's only available currently until december 24th i'm drinking tea now like a very like a stereotype but i just realized that i left the tea bag in odd never done that before i was wondering why it was getting more intense sip by sip okay back now to the conversation with myself chris and lisa challenge course certification What things have we seen in exams that might be good advice for people who are listening to this who are coming in exams? What pitfalls have we seen people fall into? What classic error errors do we see that we're like, okay, that's we know that this is a thing that people have consistently failed on? What are some things that if someone's listening to this, they will be able to get some helpful tips from?
2: When you said that, Phil, it kind of made me think about like one of the things I find myself often saying. So one of the things, especially we're in a situation, and we're very lucky to say this, that we there are some college programs where students will take their course and then they'll come to us for their exam process. And I so this is something that comes up a lot for students is I want people to know that they're being assessed for very specific skills and not necessarily for the whole duration of the day. So for example, if you need to like turn your back and like fiddle with your knot or your harness, I'm not on my clipboard writing down, like, Hmm, doesn't seem to be comfortable double backing. I mean, you take all that in, but ultimately it's when you start your gear retrieval, it's from the time that you put your foot on the ladder to the time that you've completed the task. And I'm not. So what can happen is that somebody will get flustered and then it will snowball and it will escalate. And so what I tell people is, you can stop regroup and sometimes that will lower the score but if they haven't started the assessment process yet it's like just take a moment i'm not watching you until you know i'm watching you so it's like you can have a little privacy in your struggle and reset um and i think that that's been important for folks to to know that like oh she already thinks I'm this now she's going to think this and it's like i'm not you know it's it's a little bit more parsed out than that
1: yeah i i, I think that I think the preparation phase for people, they think that the training, particularly if they're coming into a a training and then followed immediately up with a, an exam the next day that they don't take the time during the evenings to really sort of continue to prepare and prepare prior to even their training. So a lot of people struggle with written exams um, and, The ability to take some time with the high five guide, the ACCT standards, thinking about other uh, best practices in the field and just reading those documents prior, Um, having some affinity for that material will really make the exam written exam portion um, easier.
0: And if you're if you're researching, um, it's always good practice to come back to do some form of training before your research. So we do offer level one reviews. We we offer level two reviews, ATS, the advanced technical skills as a level two review, two-day training. And we purposely do place those in front of exam dates um, with the intention that you're coming in and refreshing skills beforehand. I have found that if people are testing in the exam and they have not done a training prior to that exam, it dramatically reduces their chances of passing. So having some sort of preparation in terms of a training prior to the exam is also helpful rather than leaving it three years and then reserting.
2: I think another pitfall is, and this is, I completely understand this, is that I think there's a tendency sometimes to want to show as many skills as one (laughs) can during any given station, and really the skill we're looking for is, can you get, like I said, can you get the job done efficiently? And so if you do a gear retrieval with all the pulleys and then you do this weighted transfer and then you repel down, cool that you know how to do all that, but we're not assessing on those individual pieces. As a matter of fact, it may actually sort of decrease your score because it wasn't the most efficient way to do it. So if you can climb up and shake the cable and speak nicely to the pulley and get it to come to you, that's just as passing as mm-hmm. doing all the other things. So it's really... It's showing that good judgment, right? Like what approach is going to work best here, not which approach is going to give me the most, you know, credit in the eyes of my assessor because we're not assessing those pieces.
1: Yeah, I think a specific skill, and you alluded to this, Lisa, a little bit is, you know, this idea of a gear retrieval. I see a lot of people use up a lot of both physical and mental energy. So, you know, in a complex rollout where the belay gear is sitting out in the middle of a belay cable and they've got to climb up and ascend a tree somehow and then horizontally get out to get this. Many folks forget lots of things like the rope that they're going to rethread the SRD with on the ground, and then they have to climb back down and then climb back up wasted energy don't have all the equipment they need before they even decide on their plan. So I think have a good way to get yourself back to the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, and many folks just spend far too long executing this procedure and there are no finite time limits on these kinds of things, but in general, you know, because this is a subjective examination, it requires expert opinion to make this decision about whether somebody did that well enough. And the same thing is true with, you know, like a rescue sequence. If it takes you, 25 minutes on the ground to assemble the kit you need in order to then perform the rescue and another 15 to execute it, that's 40 minutes. That's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, efficiency is a key piece that I think many people struggle with.
0: The certification is a certification. It should not be easy. It, there are parameters that have to be checked off. And yes, someone can have the skills, but if they can't actually utilize them in a situation like a, an exam situation, that does become a problem. I've One area that is in the level two exam that I have to coach after the fact is how to belay the commands, how to inspect a climb before they go up in the air, how to inspect your ropes and and, and the, the, the speci- specificity on the knot tying, all of those things that you would have learned at a level one, those are the areas that I think I grade the lowest when it comes to a level two because everyone's focused on can I perform a rescue or can I perform something more technical in the air, but they have neglected to practice those things that are also required at a level two level, which is the level one skill sets. Um, so being practiced at those once again, is 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 a crucial component.
2: You know, this is a side note, which feel free to cut this, Phil. I, I've always wondered, what is it like for a participant to come to their exam and see one of us that they've met in other contexts that's so different from being the assessor? Like, what if you met me at a conference workshop and then you had me for a games workshop and then you had me for like a facilitation skills and then and all of a sudden it's like, Now she's got her clipboard. It's like, it's a very different tone. It's still our culture. And we're still going to try to educate, like you're saying, Phil, as much as we can. But it's very different from a workshop experience. Sometimes I'm like, sorry, it's a different different Lisa you're going to have to interact with today, you know, just in terms of what my role is. There was something else I was going to say. Oh, isn't it exciting when you can see people making like judgments in real time? like you're saying, Phil, I think kind of suggesting that I love that moment where you're like, okay, here's a gear retrieval. I pulled a cord. And then one question is like, oh, I don't remember which side the P cord was on. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, but I know how to remind myself of that. Like that, I love those moments where it's like, they're not replicating an exact procedure. They're putting in their toolkit and taking out what makes the most sense for any given situation. That's a level two practitioner. That's the thinking piece that it's just so exciting to see that.
0: hmm Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Lisa, for talking about certification. If anyone wants to find more information about the certifications we provide at High Five, you can find them on our website, which is highfiveadventure.org. And you'll see a tab that says certification. Is that correct? Is there a tab that says certification? It says training. Training. And then
1: under the training tab, there'll be a certification tab.
0: Great. Let me just quickly add that. And so you'll find on our website, there'll be a training tab. And under that, there will be a certification. You can find out more information about our certifications there. Or you can always email us at our first initial then our last name at highfiveadventure.org so that's either P. Brown C. Dan Boys, or L. Hunt and we're happy to accept your questions about certification we love talking about it thank you so much everyone
1: thanks for listening to Vertical Play
0: Camp. and then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast can you do it Thanks for giving us a good pasta, guy. As a reminder, please, if you could... Uh, continue to share the podcast with any educators that you think would find this beneficial as well as letting me know what information you'd like me to share about and who potentially you'd like me to interview at podcast at H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org. Thank you so much. Stay safe and stay connected.